welcome to episode 185 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined once again by uh, Paul Noonan and an unthawing Ryan Top, who went to today's <laughs> game at Wrigley. It sounds like it was a little chilly, Ryan. Yeah, I've been warmer in my life, but, you know, <laughs> winning the game was great, so I, I'd do it again. Did you stick around for all the fun in the ninth inning? Yeah, we were there through the whole. You were yeah. there for the whole game. Yeah, we didn't That's bail. Good. Yeah, no need of to course traffic. Not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it was it was a, a kind of a dull game up until the last inning there. So it was, it was good to get that in there. But actually, yeah. Wrigley at that level of capacity is pretty great. Like, really? not that Wrigley in general isn't pretty good because it is. Wrigley at that level of capacity, without having to deal with like people in your immediate vicinity and. <laughs> all that it was, it was pretty great so i i would would recommend fewer idiots to deal with too I'm i sure. mean i never have problems with the, with people in chicago the cubs fans you have problems with are the ones in in milwaukee which paul has written about extensively yes <laughs> that is sure, correct. Sure. it's just a matter of who's willing to make that that trek and where they live in chicago you tend to have a lot of the, the north suburbs type people who make a big event out of this and it's their reason to live and um, you know, they have to prove something while they're there. Everybody at Wrigley in the city is like just taking up the train from the loop after work or is, you know, around the neighborhood. You got some people trucking in from the burbs, but it's dominated by city people who are just like, you know, chill <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and friendly and want to show off their city and like the people visit and things like that. So it's, it's not the same at all. Yes, it's Definitely. very, very different. And there were a decent number yeah. of Brewer fans there today, I would say. Always is. Yep. Damn get tickets. South. Yeah. The, no the, kidding. The, there's this big thing with the Cubs like that it's always sold out and it's very difficult to get tickets and nothing could be further from the truth. It's one of the easiest tickets in town that you'll ever find. Uh, if anybody ever wants to go to a Cubs game for dirt cheap, just uh, go to the corner of uh, Sheffield and Clark. They're uh, uh, a little bit. Shoot, that's not right. Sh- whatever. Right around there, there's a bunch of ticket scalpers and they'll just be out on the street um like official ones with storefronts they'll be out on the street hawking their tickets and as soon as the game starts uh it drops in half and as soon as the second inning starts it drops down to five bucks and uh you know they might give you a little hassle but you can just walk to the next one if you uh, just go up and say i would like a ticket for five dollars and they might tell you to screw off and then just walk away and then they'll chase you down and say okay fine so um, <laughs> works every time. I, I have been to well over 100 Cubs games at Wrigley. And uh, other than the occasional super good seat I've shelled out for, I don't think I've ever paid more than $10 for a ticket. So wow. there you go. There you go. See, you listen to this podcast and you get some uh, excellent uh, official legal advice on ticket scalping, right? He used, so, to live in, he used to live in the hood. He used to live two blocks from Wrigley. So I, uh, I, I know how to get around there. <laughs> absolutely yeah, and it's really changed oh yeah it's it's yeah. it's weird it's creepy and it's yeah. very bad it's very yeah. corporate it was the first thing we kind of noticed walking around the stadium today was at least that one side is still pretty much the same over by uh um was it murphy's bleachers like that yeah. that area of the stadium is still about the same but when you get over towards that green space on the other side it's it's a totally different area now it is really really changed it's really unfortunate it's just designed for cubs games and it used to be someplace not that you would trek up to wrigleyville much when it wasn't baseball season but you could have a pretty good time there in the off season and uh, one of the reasons we liked living there is like you know i like baseball and going is fun but it's a very quiet city experience the rest of the year and the restaurants and bars kind of turn into just for the locals and it's very nice so 
Uh, a lot of those places have closed up. My favorite bar, just because, uh, no, I shouldn't say just because, I used to live around the corner from the Dark Horse. And um, it's nothing special, but they had a very nice Monday burger special. And uh, it just closed just because of COVID and because of other ricketsy things going on in the neighborhood. So very unfortunate. Nisei Lounge is still there, though. That's where you should go before a game. So. Yeah, the rickets suck. Like, just the rickets really, really suck. They're really bad people. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. The, the Cubs have this long history of just terrible ownership. Like throughout yeah. their entire history, they've just Tribune gonna, Company, all that. You know, yeah. it, it's one thing to be billionaires are bad people. Most baseball owners are kind of bad people, but they always act like in good faith and run. You know, Mark Atanasio is out there smiling and spending money and all that good stuff. And the Cubs have just had this long history of just evil or incompetence. Like you know, they famously had the the owner who treated the minors the same as the majors and wouldn't call anybody up because he was concerned about winning the Triple A championship every year. Like, so like, <laughs> if you, like that's the that's the real curse of the the Cubs. It's not the Billy Goat thing. It's that their incompetent owner wanted to win all the minor league pennants. Like, yay, good on you for that. So, um, all right, enough of that. Sorry. <laughs> all right, yeah, still plenty to talk about uh, this weekend's Cubs series. But f- first, before we get going, a reminder: you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron. That's at Patreon.com/slash MKE Tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the podcast. Five bucks a month gets you that question priority, and you also get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods, uh, Packers off-season stuff, and with the draft coming up, it's actually a big football season time. So there you yep, go. Going to have mini pod and a macro pod this week. So there will be reporting as eligible this week, and there will also be a mini pod on how to scout for the draft. So good times. <laughs> Just like everybody else, you're going to teach everybody how to how to scout for the draft. And I'm going to teach you how to your scout how I scout for the draft. Okay. So. <laughs> I like the idea of a macro pod too. Does that? But that kind of makes it seem like it's a two hour behemoth. But maybe not. Maybe not. Probably not. We we all have. I'm still moving. Matt just had a kid, so it'll probably not go two hours because various wives would murder us. But uh, yeah, you know, it'll it'll be comprehensive. For, for good reason, too. But, yeah, uh, so look out for that and, and see who the Packers should take, and they probably won't take. But then you guys will talk about it after the fact, just, you know, just like last year when they drafted Jordan Love. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, turning to the Brewers now. Obviously, uh, a really good week for the Brewers. I think better than a lot of us ever could have anticipated. You know, they uh, entered – now the final week of April, they're in first place in the NL Central and actually probably look like the best team in the division based on what we've seen through the first few weeks. Uh, impressive 5-1 and one road trip this week. They swept the Padres, of course, and then took two of three from the Cubs once again. They're now 3-0 and against the Cubs this year, which is always good to see. Also 4-0 and in road series this year, which is kind of, uh, I guess, odd to see after, you know, I, I just grew up, you know, the Brewers are always sucking on the road and here they are just... Uh, kind of becoming road warriors and going out and, and winning just just about every series they play. So uh, definitely, I think I'm feeling encouraged. But I guess let's just start, Ryan, I guess impressions from the road trip overall. Are you encouraged a little bit more just based on what we saw this week? Yeah, I mean, this team is pretty decent and that was borne out. I wasn't really expecting them to do it with this sort of piece together offense that they've had. Uh, I know that you did have Wong come back at the uh, the start of the Cubs series, but they were also without Urias in, I mean, frankly, they were without just about everybody out in San Diego, and they managed to sweep them 
largely behind some very good pitching performances, obviously. And that is always going to help and is critical for what they're doing. But I, I think that it was pointed out to me on Twitter yesterday that uh, the offense isn't really very productive right now. They have been scoring a decent amount of runs, but the underlying numbers are not good, which given the fact that everybody's hurt, I worry less about that. The underlying numbers are less of a, of a concern then because you can look at it and go, okay, well, yeah, they're, they're performing over their head right now, but that will probably come back quite a bit once the should have been two time MVP. Christian Yelich is back in the lineup on a, (laughs) regular basis hopefully so right it's good that they've won these and they've looked pretty good doing so and the pitching's held up its end of the bargain but they have they've lucked into some wins too just based on some guys continuing to outperform you know how how actually good they are and struggles from everybody else so uh like um tyrone taylor's been like knocking the cover off the ball which is great Mm -hmm. but probably won't continue to be great and you know billy mckinney's been one of their best hitters and he's actually coming down to earth a little bit uh travis is cooling off so they need to get the they need to get the studs healthy and back in the lineup soon because it's not going to last but it's nice that it did and uh you know they got some wins that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have with some hot streaks so good for that yeah obviously the injury's a big deal uh we'll cover that in a second here but i guess first before we move on are we surprised that the brewers and the cubs didn't like trade blows this weekend kind of considering how the first couple of series went paul very surprised i i really thought that they would have something happen um uh, especially in the blowout like i'm surprised somebody didn't just you know decide to waste one during a game that didn't matter anymore but maybe they might maybe they got warned by the league and maybe they just decided to clean it up and maybe the cubs just like after getting plunked by every other team that they play decided (laughs) oh maybe the brewers don't have it out for us maybe maybe this is our fault um, which is true, of course. So, um, but I'm, I'm shocked. I thought that they would have some kind of some kind of benches clearing thing happen, even if it wasn't a fight. Yeah, I think that it is a little bit. It was completely incident free, really. Even yeah, though yeah. at the end of today's game, we saw who took one off the helmet. Robertson. Robertson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, thing, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess that is. And that didn't spark anything. So you know that the Brewers aren't going to go after retaliation. And you know that's not really how they do things. And that goes back all the way to, like, Doug Melvin was very against that. And so they've kind of had that attitude for a long time where they really weren't liking to get into beanball wars. In fact, the one that you can think of, the big Ned Yost one at the end of the 2007 season, that one stands out because it was so rare. Like you can remember yeah. back to that because it was yep. a pretty rare occurrence. So, and the Cubs also uh, did a good job of keeping Wilson Contreras off the field until Brandon Woodruff was safely in the dugout. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I was told by Cubs fans that that was probably just a normal thing because uh, who is it? Their their backup now, uh, Cervelli. I'm not sure it, whoever uh, whoever the backup yeah. was, and he he was in there today. He has caught Arietta's like thir- first three or four starts or whatever. So yeah, this has been the the matchup that they've gone with. So probably shouldn't be surprised, and you probably yeah. don't want to read too much into that. But I mean, Contreras did show up at the end of the game then, so he was in there 
to uh, to end it out and did not run out a uh, ground ball in a very Wilson Contreras way because he's <laughs> pretty fast for a catcher. Like he's legit fast for a catcher. Mm-hmm. And he definitely did not uh, run that out in the ninth inning. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the Robertson getting hit in the helmet, but obviously he was squirting around a bunt. That didn't seem intentional at all. Um, Burr still got plunked plenty. You know, they, <laughs> Travis Shaw got a RBI off a of one in the ninth inning too. But, you know, that was that was just part of, you know, Cubs bullpen doing Cubs bullpen things. And yep just generally being terrible. So yeah, I'm kind of surprised they didn't fight this weekend, but I think maybe, you know, the Cubs kind of mellowed out after the blowout win on Friday night. And after that, it was was kind of smooth sailing on both sides there. So, uh, you know, I'm just happy that we don't have to talk or think about the Cubs at all until like the end of June. So (laughs) right, right. So, all right. You guys had mentioned that, before you know uh brewers still winning a lot of games but kind of just uh getting by by the skin of their teeth really just because the injury issues continuing to mount really you know christian yelich had to go in for an mri because his back has kind of hit a wall in that recovery still no real indication on when he'll be back you know brett anderson obviously part of the reason why friday got so messy brett anderson well was getting shelled and then he got hurt uh then josh lindblom uh, came in, took a beating, and pretty much went on the injured list for getting his ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> right, so yeah. uh, so obviously, you know, uh, you guys mentioned Colton Wong's back, but still, kind of now the injuries are they're sort of stretching to the, that bottom of the rotation. There, uh, we do have a Patreon question first. Uh, comes from Adam Post talking about Brett Anderson. So Ryan, he's asking who takes Brett Anderson's place in the rotation while he's on the injured list. You know, obviously the Brewers have a stretch of games here, so it's not like they can even skip that spot in the rotation, right? Yeah, I mean, it was going to be uh, Lindblom, and then, you know, the unpleasantness. The um, unpleasantness, yeah. Yeah. I would I would venture to guess it's probably Eric Lauer would be the next guy in line for it, right? That seems Pro- Probably, likely. yes. Yeah. So hopefully he's pitching better than he didn't spring training. <laughs> yeah. I think if they had a few days off, they might try and string together some long relievers, but mm-hmm. I think they'll need everybody uh, like uh, all hands on deck in the pen is probably going to be necessary for a while. So I do think it'll be Lauer, which I don't, I'm sick of him. So we'll see how this, goes. <laughs> who knows? We haven't really seen him, I yeah. guess, since this, this spring, maybe, maybe sometime in the pitching lab, we'll turn him into Corbin Burns left-handed version, but who knows? Um, yeah, it, it's Lauer probably, right? And, you know, they seem reluctant to jump into the Ashby's of the world quite yet, right? So probably be a while before we get to that point. But, yeah, I, I think maybe it's Lauer and they just try to string along a couple of three-inning outings, right? Like, you could take Lauer for three, Suter for three, whatever you want to do there. Yeah. Although Brent Suter's kind of been up and down a little bit, as we've talked about. But, uh you know, I, I guess as long as the rest of the rotation seems to be intact, I think maybe you can get through these next few weeks and hopefully Brett Anderson's not not too injured that he'll he'll be back relatively soon here. But uh yeah, definitely testing the depth there. And you guys mentioned too on the offensive end, you know, we've seen guys like Billy McKinney step up, Colton Wong is back as we mentioned, but I guess 
Paul, are you worried about the the depth on on the offensive side? I mean, Robertson got drilled in the head and had to stay in the game because they ran out of infielders. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, I'm not worried about it from the perspective of running out of guys. That's just a freak thing that happened um, late in the game. But I- I'm worried about them having enough quality bats to go around without everybody there. So, yes, th- this is a problem. And I I, I think um, some if it, not if every everybody's been bad uh, with a few exceptions. Colton Wong has been awesome. Um, Omar has been awesome. But. I think that they might actually try and like turn over the the lineup, go check out the waiver wire with some of these guys. If it wasn't such a complete problem, um, I don't even know where you would get started necessarily. I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised Vogelbach's still on the team. He's a 725 OPS. On the other hand, that makes him one of the best players in the in the lineup currently. <laughs> so, right. Um, you kind of need his bad bat in there to to compensate for everybody else who's terrible. So, um. They are really kind of a starsy, scrubsy lineup, and uh, until they get Yelich back and um, Kane back, I, I, I am worried about them going south for a couple games. Um, and if they have one of those stretches where they just don't score and look awful, I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I think that that's coming, obviously. We didn't yeah. see it to start the season. That is, remember, mm-hmm. four games in, everybody was ready to lose their damn minds. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. like, we the did COVID s- vaccine hangover time period. Yes. So... <laughs> The thing is, on the injury front, there was good news. So Yelich's MRI came back, no sign of anything structurally wrong with him. So that's a positive. And Lorenzo Cain has been working his way back into playing shape again. So he's probably not too far away. I would suspect we'll see him before too long on this next homestand. So they're going to have guys coming back, and that will help but the question still becomes how long can the pitching just continue to be otherworldly and they're not going to be this good all year we just there's right. no way that it is going to sustain yeah at this level though there are some underperformances that we could look at not in the rotation really at this point but there are underperformances in the bullpen that probably could trend back the other way yeah so maybe they make up some of that difference there but ultimately yeah it this is this is a team that is playing really well, sort of getting by with, uh, you know, a handful of magic beans, basically. Like, this is not a great team that they're putting out on the field every day, but it's playing well. So, and it's working, which is what you, and, you really want in these situations. And by the way, nobody's, it's early, but nobody's Pythagorean is out of whack in the central. Everybody's kind of been what they are without too much luck. Uh, and the Brewers are, I think, um, they're one win, I think, over theirs. But, you know, they got shelled by the Cubs by 15 runs or whatever the other day. So um, they're really kind of right in line. The only team that's really been unlucky is the Reds and just by a couple of games. And, you know, that happens to them because they're the Reds. So no big thing there. It's not like the Brewers haven't come by this. Honestly, their production has warranted their success. It's just that it's surprising that their production has happened (laughs) more than anything. Right. And we talked about the Reds, what, like a week or two ago, too, right? When they got off to that really red hot start, uh, pun not intended. But, uh, you know, and, and the, the big thing was how they were going to do on the road. And then they went out and they got swept by freaking Arizona. And now they're <laughs> in last place after, as of uh, us recording this on Sunday. So they went first to worst in just about a week. So you're seeing that kind of course correct, too. You know, they were kind of lucky to start the year. And now, like you said, they're, they're unlucky. So, uh, I think the important thing, though, like the Brewers are continuing to bank these wins 
and, and, and against division opponents too, right? You know, they've already won three series against the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, that could come back to be an important factor. They've won a series against the Cardinals. So, you know, it, it may not be necessarily pretty right now. And obviously they're missing a third of their lineup, but they're banking these wins <laughs> and you don't have to give those back at the end of the year. Very so true. Exactly. Very true. All right. Uh, on the topic of guys coming back, Let's shift more to some more Patreon questions. We've got Anthony Martin. He's asking, when Yelich and King come back healthy, does Billy McKinney start seeing more time at first base considering Keston Hira's struggles? I guess, Paul, you're, you, you think, I guess, McKinney is kind of magic beans at this point, but do you I see him getting do. some time there? I do also. Um, so as much as I think he is magic beans, he there's some some promise in McKinney like we've talked about before he has a pretty good pedigree he's a former first round pick he he's just been around and um it I know they want to make here a work but I think McKinney is going to be a better defensive player there and at least early on he's hit well enough to warrant it so um I think he will start seeing more time there I think first base for the Brewers is kind of the um, can you play there? Is your bat going fine? Then you get time there. And so I won't be surprised at all if he ends up over there. I, it's really just a, a weird platoon that they do over there anyway. And um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't find space for him there, given how he's hit so far. That's going to be tricky to make work roster wise. And I think you're point about dan vogelbach from before. that's the thing though yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of redundant there right like the, they both are the left-handed bats so i right. don't think Vogie's long for the team just because he's not versatile and every day mm-hmm. like he's he's keep his bats keeping him around but i i think that his days are numbered at some point it's just gonna break yeah i would agree with that it's kind of a shame. Obviously, I have a sentimental attachment to the big guy, but we like, all like Dan, but... I, you know, but like you said, the versatility is an issue. And especially when you're uh, a team that is having pretty significant injury issues, like those unversatile players become more and more problematic to keep around. Right. Yep. So, um, and I should point you know, out too, yeah. as long as we're throwing dirt on his roster spot here, like, <laughs> We did this in spring training, too, and we said did. we don't think that he's going to be here, and yeah. here he is. So what the hell Spent do we about know? A full 20 minutes on why he wasn't going to make the opening day roster, and then uh, the day the podcast dropped, he, it's he made It's very possible I will say this every single podcast and really play the whole season <laughs> out on the team. That, that is totally possible, but um, I, if it happens, it'll be a, a minor miracle. Um, I guess on the topic of Keston here, I'll, I'll add a follow-up question. I guess, Ryan, are you starting to get really concerned about where he is at offensively or is it just kind of a bad April as some batters have? It's more than that because it's carrying over from last year. We're still seeing the swing and the miss problems, not quite as acute as they were, but it's still not great. It's, it's more than that. But I also think that we are so far away from any sort of point where you would legitimately give up on him and say that uh, we're going to move on from him in any real sort of way, just because the pedigree is there and he's made adjustments in the past. I still think he's going to figure this out and make it work. And we do see glimpses of it. He hit some balls hard over the Mm -hmm. weekend. So we've seen glimpses of it, but yeah, he's going to have to make some, some pretty big changes. I think to make this work. And I just don't know what that's going to be. So we'll see, I guess, but it, it's a really tricky one with him. 
And it's it's hard because now he's being expected to carry the load offensively at first base. And the bar mm-hmm. there is so much higher. So uh, this is a tricky situation for him to be in. I think we could see something like, you know, Travis Shaw in, what was it, 2019, where they just gave him all the rope in the world to try to turn things around, right? Until it just got yep. super unbearable. So uh, I think that's probably where we're, go- we're going to go with Hira. You know, maybe we do see some Billy McKinney, like a soft platoon with him, if things still don't turn around quickly here once those guys that we mentioned are back. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it's kind of a priority for the team to get Keston here going, just considering how how integral they, they seem to think he is to the future of the team, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure they'll give him plenty of opportunity. And as long as they keep winning, you know, maybe you can afford to have them in that lineup, but yeah. uh, maybe move them down in the order or something like that. But yeah, maybe to protect him a little bit more. It would be nice too if he would just be an average defensive player over there too. The fact that nothing is <laughs> right. working makes it especially difficult to keep him out there. Yeah. Right. And we've talked about, you know, kind of that added mental strain defensively too, even though first base is supposed to be relatively simple but um <laughs> damn money ball movie <laughs> yeah yeah tell them okay uh our next patreon question another uh billy mckinney centered question comes from jd jason donlinger he's asking uh paul what's the most impressive start to the season mckinney or omar narvaez uh, it's definitely omar uh, i mean mckinney you get these small sample size goofs once in a while but i like er- Looking at his line right now, he just looks like a guy who got hot for a bit. Like Billy McKinney has a 255 on base percentage and a few sure. a few home runs and a triple are carrying him. Omar looks like a legit major leaguer. Like that's a that's a grown man stat line. Um, and <laughs> if, if he's he's hit before, like Billy McKinney's never really actually done that. He's just been pure projection forever. Omar's hit before. He's hit well. And you know if you want to. Um, just dive further into projecting him. He he let himself be coached up on defense last year. It's not like it's easy to get good at being a defensive catcher at all. It's really really hard. So right. um, I suspect he he is a kind the kind of player who works hard, responds well to coaching, and after he turned himself around defensively last year, I, I'm guessing he took some time to get his offense back in gear, and he looks good. So um, he's been super impressive. He's definitely the team MVP so far, um, and he has been phenomenal behind the plate and like one of the only good hitters on the team so um he's been super impressive it's really great to see yeah omar's uh strikeout to walk ratio seven strikeouts six walks coming into today anyway i don't know i don't think he's it's out. eight walks to seven strikeouts now oh did yeah. he oh look at that okay so yeah another billy good McKin- day yeah billy mckinney 11 strikeouts to one walk so yeah i i definitely am taking omar here and super excited for seeing what else could possibly come of this because we've basically weirdly now got basically Yasmani Grandal. I was just gonna say yeah, that it's a very Grandalish uh, start to the year for him, at least, right? Like he's drawing a ton of walks and he's a great defensive catcher. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Grandal ever really hit like this, though. Obviously, a very small sample yeah. at this point, but right. Yeah, this is this is really something. So, and Manny Pena has been very good as the platoon mate with him to mm-hmm. to step in there and and give him some time. And they've been really smart about handling him. Did you guys catch they gave him uh, that extra day on Friday so he could have two straight days off? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
Very a smart. little workload management going on there. So, yep. yeah, I'm By the very, way, very excited. I, I had not noticed this, but if you want a little bit of a bright spot on Keston uh, in small sample size, very small sample size, he's actually been destroying lefties. Um, he's slashing 222, 364, 556 against lefties. Um, not, like I said, not a huge amount of sample there, but uh, it's it's good to see him at least do something because that at least makes you platoonable if you can keep that up. And he's a 467 OPS against righties, which is uh, incredibly bad. But uh, it, that that's something that's useful. If you, if you can be the short side of a platoon, that's not nothing. Right, and I think... You know, this came up in the last week, too. The Brewers are actually kind of on a really weird long stretch of never facing a lefty starter <laughs> this year. So maybe that plays into Keston's struggles a little bit, too. It might. That really, it might be an Adrian Hauser kind of problem from last year, where it just runs into a murderer's row on the wrong side for a while. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I guess maybe that starts to turn around. But um, I guess on the original question, I, I, I guess I would agree with you guys. Omar's just been really impressive and the underlying numbers too are kind of supporting that you know he's you look at a stat cast page he's you know expected wobas 94th percentile expected petting yep. average 97th expected slugging 84th he's not striking out at all uh his whiff rate you know 88th percentile so he's not swinging and missing and he's 94th percentile in framing so there you go like offensive and defensive star really so far and it, it's actually looking a lot more sustainable, you know, uh, at least more so than his <laughs> his last year in Seattle where the yes. Brewers traded for him and, and it was just a lot of, you know, fluke pop flies flying out. So, I mean, he's he's been staying in the ball. He's beating the shift. It's actually been really impressive to see. And I've been happy to see, you know, him moved up to like second in the order, especially with, you know, uh, Kane and Yelich out. So he's definitely been kind of carrying that load. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I think he's kind of a, a five hitter for them if you sure. can get everything lined up the way that you want it but that's going to be a little while so we'll have to wait sure so i guess if we're not buying into billy mckinney we got another question from anthony martin he's asking uh would he make good trade fodder billy mckinney do you think the team could flip him at the deadline for pitchers assuming hira comes out of his funk i guess that means you know not having to worry about trading for a first baseman and you could trade McKinney so he doesn't play first. I guess, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Could they get anything for him at this point? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Billy McKinney, first off, doesn't have any options, so he's locked into a roster spot. Anybody that would pick him up would have to keep him in the majors because they can't just option him down. He is he's in a tricky position. Like, if you were to trade him, that would like you're not going to get anything back for him. You're not nobody is going to give up anything for him. And if he truly is it like having a breakout to the point where you could get something for him trade value wise, there's no way the Brewers are actually going to unload him at that point. So it's sort of like a catch 22 situation. You can't get anything for him unless he truly does break out in some real noticeable way that you believe in and you think might be sustainable. And in that case, why would the Brewers give him up? So I don't see him going anywhere in terms of a trade. He is much more likely just to be DFA'd than anything else. There's one scenario that you didn't cover that is at least possible, which is that 
he he gets himself a little bit right, tears the cover off the ball uh, in terms of his his gross stats. But the Brewers secretly know underneath that he's actually bad and um, flip him to a stupid team. Now, there aren't really <laughs> stupid teams in baseball anymore, um, so that's really hard to do. And so it, Ryan's right. That won't happen. But, you know, that's the one scenario is guy gets hot. Um, somebody's looking for a bat. You trade him for a, a, some down roster pitching prospect. But no, he, they're not going to trade him. He's he's too he's too inflexible. You can't send him to the minors. He's not good. Um, <laughs> that's the big thing. He's not good. Like he had that nice start to the season and now you're seeing real Billy McKinney pop up. So um, not happening. Well, when you say there's no dumb teams left, there there's Col- really not. There's Colorado. There, there's Colorado. Yes. Fine. <laughs> there's Colorado. And I believe they might have some people that the Brewers would want to trade. Trevor's story for Billy McKinney first yeah. reported here on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be very, very clear, I am totally joking right now. So, <laughs> yes, until it happens, and then we can go back and say we called this back in the end of April. So, there you mm-hmm. go. All right, uh, that's how Twitter works. Anyway, uh, another Patreon question. We got a lot this week. Uh, so, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our next one comes from Steve DeRozier. He's asked, he says, Sorry, during the offseason, Tyrone Taylor transformed his body, adding a fair amount of muscle. With his solid preseason performance and the hard hit ball rate in lim- limited regular season at bats, what are the chances we see the beginning of a trend of a more consistent offensive production from him? Is he on track towards becoming a productive starter in 2022 or 2023? Paul, I know you're not a huge believer in Tyrone Taylor, but Ryan, what? let's start with you. What are your takes? I guess on what we've seen, he's the added muscle, the added uh, hard hit rates this year. It's not nothing. I'm not going to come out and say that like there's zero possibility that he is transformed into something, you know, like a, a maybe moderately useful big leaguer. But that's kind of the the high end upside, right? Like a a guy that you're okay with being your fourth outfielder is sort of the very peak of the value there. I don't see him being anything more than that. So, yes, if you if that's all you want from him, if that's what you you want as a guy who can maybe be up and down, and he will be up and down with this team as long as we have you know, Billy McKinney around and Dan Vogelbach, <laughs> and once Lorenzo Cain and those guys start coming back. And, I mean, he's only 27 years old, so you kind of look at that and you say, well, this is kind of a time period when – Guys who are career minor leaguers uh, have like that that magical run in the big leagues that kind of fools people into thinking that maybe they're they're really good actual long term players. And he's probably not. But I mean, we've seen weirder things happen, so I'm not going to completely dismiss it. But it's it seems pretty unlikely to me. Yeah, I have a rule that I was talking about with Andy Schaap the other day, which is if I saw a guy play with Clint Coulter, then he's not good. And uh, <laughs> so that's true. Just going back Taylor. to your days of watching uh, what are the T Rats and the Kane County Cougars. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, that, Dan Vogelbach, is... not good. Yeah. Also correct. Um... <laughs> didn't Mitch Hanniger play with uh, Clint Coulter, though? Like they he were drafted have, in I didn't the see same. It, so it doesn't count. Oh, there's a loophole here. Okay. Jorge Lopez saw him. He's not good. <laughs> Um, but 
he, he so the ceiling on Tyrone Taylor is has always for his entire life as a prospect been as a possibly useful major league fourth outfielder, and that's what you're getting. Like that that's that is still his ceiling. All of the scouting reports written on him ever have been really really good, and uh, he is doing a nice job right now. But he's in the early Billy McKinney stages when Billy McKinney was the best player on the team, and. In two weeks, his numbers will look like current Billy McKinney, and then we'll all be talking about how Tyrone Taylor is just a guy, and that's fine. Um, you need those. He can play center field. He's useful, but he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to turn into some all-star or even you know averagey type guy. He's going to be a sub-average useful guy. That's what he is. So, and uh, also, yes, adding muscles great, but uh, that never matters. It, it's a story every year, and it doesn't ever matter. So that's fine. It's mattered like once. Jamal Williams on the Packers. It mattered for him. That's it. <laughs> that's the only time it's ever mattered. Get back to us when he gets LASIK, though, right? Because yeah. that's legit. LASIK is legit. <laughs> Unless you're Bill Hall. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess, is there even a way he could be a starter in, like, the holdover sense where, like, next year, like, say, Avi Garcia is not here, Ryan, and Jackie Bradley Jr. opts out, and you're just kind of buying time for Garrett Mitchell to get here. Would they consider him as a starter there, or do you think they just don't count on that? <laughs> no, I mean, he could potentially be in a mix for that, but they would definitely go out and get other people, too. Yeah. You wouldn't go in with him as, like, plan 1A of your center field situation for next year that is very hard to imagine just because there will be right. plenty of other options that they'll have so yeah they'll they'll right. do something else to go with that even if he does impress he'll still be kind of an option 1b at best sure yeah especially knowing how the brewers work right in the outfield they're, they're gonna add three more outfielders and we're gonna do the whole there's too many outfielders song and dance again and then Christian Yelch will be on the IL for a month and it'll all work out. <laughs> um, all right. Next Patreon question comes from our friend Jay Google. Uh, not the first question, but still suck at Steve. Uh, how much longer do they stick with Daniel Robertson is Jay's question. Obviously, even before getting hit in the freaking head today, uh, not great. <laughs> Uh, when he's given a chance to play. So Jay's question is, are they kind of stuck with him because of the current roster configuration, too many outfielders and a bunch of average first basemen? So I guess, Paul, are there any other options for kind of that infield depth? You know, obviously Daniel Robertson getting a little bit more playing time in the, in the days since Orlando Arcia got traded, but not doing much with it. So they're, they're in a tough spot because there are so many people underperforming on offense and there's not like a ready go-to option other than Robertson, who who has been atrocious. But at least he plays the defensive positions fine. Um, but like you can just find guys producing like he produces kind of anywhere. So um, his big his big risks with the team right now are uh, if he doesn't start performing better, uh, anybody can replace. Him. <laughs> and if there is a roster crunch, and if they need a reason to keep Vogelbach around. Um, you know, I could see him potentially being a casualty. Now he's more useful that, uh, you know, you can throw him out there and he can play a bunch of positions credibly and that's fine. But he is a 318 OPS, which is kind of unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, almost impossible. So, um, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, if there is a squeeze, he would be on the short list to go, I think. And 
Um, it, that will probably happen sometime in the not too distant future. It, it's what he is a potential reason that Vogelbach will stick around and make me look funny all season. So, well, okay. So here's the problem, though. They don't have a backup shortstop, except they don't. Him. They don't really have backup middle infielders. Period. Except for him, with Jace Peterson on the IL and Orlando Arcia, a brave, they just don't have that depth right now, and I don't know exactly where it's going to come from. Let me check roster resource because, <laughs> frankly, like I can't even. Where are we at with like backup shortstops at this point? It's not. I mean, What's Nate Orf up to? Can we call him from like sure being free. an Amazon Prime delivery man or whatever he's doing now, and and see if he's available i mean uh, literally baseball player. at shortstop right now roster resource lists their top guy as bryce terang at double a so oh, wow. okay. yeah like they don't Oops. have yeah. they don't have yeah. somebody even like set up lined up for triple a and i actually assume that terang's probably going to open in triple a not actually double a i don't think that this has been updated so yeah yeah i I think that as long as that's the case, they're going to keep giving Daniel Robertson leash because they need somebody who can play the backup infield position. And until they fix that, then he's going to be here, I would imagine. Yeah, not a whole lot they can do. And it's not. Keep an eye on the wire. <laughs> keep an eye on the wire, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That That's maybe where you get the wave of wire oh, pickup. Oh, D Strange Gordon. That's true. We keep forgetting oh, yeah. about him. Not about he's, him. He's still in a COVID protocol, but I imagine like once he gets out of that and is is cleared, he's he's got to be the call up, right? And then yeah. Robertson's probably gone. So that be, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. He's got the big league experience. He's not especially good, but hey, he's <laughs> fast and can steal some bases when he does get on. So uh, has big league experience, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all to see him up in the next couple of weeks. I forget how long that that is, but I, I'm sure sometime in May we see him and probably starts getting regular looks at second base, just given everything going on. Well, Wong's back, never mind. Uh, but, you know, good, better depth piece at least than Daniel Robertson. Uh, all right, next Patreon question comes from Brian Polakowski. We actually saw... Uh, another uh, call up this last week and maybe it factors into what the Brewers do think of Tyrone Taylor, but Corey Ray got called up, uh, made his debut in Chicago. He's a Chicago guy. So that's cool. Uh, Brian's question is how happy is Ryan that Corey Ray finally made his debut? So here's the thing. Uh Oh, (laughs) I blame all of you. All of you, everybody listening and uh, on Twitter and especially Steve, um, you've oh, all no. ruined Corey Ray for me. I I actually <laughs> was very not all that happy about the whole thing just because all I kept thinking was, oh, if he does anything good, I'm going to hear people taunting me about Corey Ray. So even even if he does well, it's going to, to count against me. So, frankly, you've all ruined Corey Ray for me, and I I just I can take no joy in his accomplishments, at least at this point. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. You ruined Corey Ray for me. I'm extremely happy that Corey Ray is up because I like making Are You Jimmy Ray jokes about him. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as he's up, I'm a happy man. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so you're happy. Ryan's conflicted. I'm sure Keith law is happy because he still thinks that Corey Ray was the best player in that draft. And yeah, but 
I, I guess we'll see. It, it kind of felt more like a uh, just a warm body thing, but nice that he got to record the final out in a couple of games there yeah. and and uh, get in. I, I'm still not convinced he can actually hit the baseball at a high no. level, but uh, hey, another first round pick made the majors, so I guess technically that makes it a good pick. He walked. And That's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. He, did. he had a couple of good at bats in that game. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Brian's got another Patreon question, too. He's asking, if this pitching lab is so effective, can the Brewers build a hitting lab for Hira and Urias? Paul, your no. thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, the answer is probably yes, actually. You can build a hitting lab. It's just a different animal than pitching is because yeah. in pitching, you are in control the whole time. You hold the ball, and so you can work on repeatable things and if you read about how pitching labs work and driveline works, it's all about microanalysis of your movement and doing it over and over again to get it perfectly right. Hitting is completely different. Like you are reacting to something that's different every single time that's coming at you. You have no time to react. Um, it's not something you can practice and be good at. Like there's no Trevor Bowers of hitting. And yes, we have to mention him once per podcast and he sucks. And um, uh, <laughs> But it, it's not like you can just like effort your way to being a good hitter it's impossible there's so much innate skill that's built into it reaction time and um just how you're actually physically constructed and um it's it's a different it's a completely different thing so you can get better at it you can cut off some inefficiencies you can change your approach you can off the ball more but when you get down to it um hitting is a much more innate thing than pitching is and so there's only so much better you're ever going to get at it yeah, exactly. And there's a lot that can be done, especially like in the the field of video analysis with hitters. You can look at what you're doing. And there are swing gurus now that are like the private swing gurus that you can go to the way that like Kyle Bodie became that for pitching before he went and worked for the Reds. But it is more reactive and it's it's harder to to do those things. So I don't know. We've we've definitely seen the Brewers are way, way ahead of uh, pitching development than where they are for hitting development at this point. I don't think that's really in dispute. They're way sure far ahead. <laughs> right. Honestly, you know what? If that's where you're going to be, I would rather have an organization that can consistently spin like you know, arms into something useful because you can go out and buy hitting on the market mm-hmm. in a way that it's harder to do with pitching because you need so much of it and the price for the really good guys is so high up there. So if if you're going to have it be one or the other, I guess I would rather have them be better at developing pitching than developing hitting, but hopefully they're changing that down the road as well. Absolutely. All right. We do also have Twitter questions to get to this week. As a reminder, we also ask you to send in questions via Twitter. You can follow us there. That's at, at MKE tailgate. You can also follow each of us individually. Ryan is at RD Top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. I'm at James L. Uh, so we got a couple questions. First one comes from C. Paul Martin. He's asking if each of you guys could pick a single trade target for the Brewers, who would it be? Paul, let's start with you. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> it's it's like any offensive player. <laughs> it, uh, so I I would ideally like them to, to go out and get like a first baseman, and I, I don't particularly care. I, I, I don't know. Um, 
it's hard to tell who's going to be available because it's so early in the season. It's one of the hard things about um, having just playoff availability. So I, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, eh, everybody's too good. Uh, any offense from any easily attainable position doesn't cost too much is fine with me. Any first baseman is fine with me. That's not currently on the team more or less. <laughs> um, but that, that's just I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll go out and trade for a bunch of relievers that I've never heard of, and they'll be super good because that's what they always do. It's hard to it's hard to find anybody who's going to be super available um, that provides a big offensive boost at the deadline yeah. because the teams that are terrible and you know are going to be selling don't have good offensive players. So, um, like, like the the Rockies' first baseman is CJ Cron, and he sucks. Like, th- that's not an upgrade. Nobody wants that. They're, they're going to be out of it, but who cares? Um, so I, I don't know. We have to wait and see who falls out of this, who actually has some offense to part with, um, and then go from there. Because, like, Washington's in last place. Is that going to last? Probably not. Twins are in last place. Is that going to last? Probably not. Um, but we, gotta, we have to, I think, get a little more information about who's going to actually be out-to-out and actually has some quality to part with. Brandon Belt is a guy, if you're looking at first baseman. Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen there is they're going to have to pick up like all of the money and they're probably going to want something decent back for him if he's hitting well. And Belt is a sneaky guy. He is better offensively than people realize because that park is like perfectly designed to screw with what he does well. So don't write off Brandon Belt completely. It's not exciting, but it's also... It's a potential thing there. I mean, obviously, the the answer here that everybody wants us to say is Trevor Story. I still don't believe the Rockies are. It's not going to happen, yeah. right? It, it doesn't fit in on a number of fronts. One, the Rockies probably aren't going to want to trade him because they're idiots, and if they should <laughs> trade him, they won't. So that they're just morons, and they want like their fans to blame him for leaving because they're morons <laughs> and whatever. So okay, I, I have a real answer. I, I I actually have one. Oh, good. Go for it. Okay, Jose Abreu. Huh. Uh, Here's but, why. But the they're not going to be out of it. No, no. See, this this comes with the prediction that they will be out of it because they're they're managed by an ancient alcoholic moron, and um, th- so they look good right now. But Kansas City's in first in that division, which is r- ridiculous. Um, the Twins and the and the Cleveland are going to pass them at some point. They're going to, and if Kansas city can actually keep being good, which they won't, but if they can, um, I could see the white Sox being out of it. And if they are out of it, I think they'll sell because they pay a lot of money and they'll want to save money. So uh, I think that's at least a possibility. That's so that's my answer. I want Jose Abreu. I would love to get Jose Abreu. I have zero expectation that that could even possibly happen. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll happen, but. That's what I isn't the question ideally. Yeah. <laughs> so my thought process on this was actually going, okay, what do He's they... only signed through 2022. So yeah. Yeah, that is true. Well, so my thought process on this was what do they always trade for? Relievers. That's what relievers. They do. Oh yeah. That's yeah. what they'll always trade for relievers. And who is a reliever who potentially is heading into free agency next year? So could be had for a rental price and also looks pretty good so far this year. Kendall Graveman in Seattle looks like a guy that I could see them uh, paying a price to get him. Now, it doesn't quite fit with the way the Brewers have done things in the past, which is to get guys who are not uh, going to cost a lot in terms of what mm-hmm. they're giving up, like when they got Drew Pomerantz. 
So they they were buying low there on Pomerantz, thinking that he was going to end up being good, which he did. But I I think Graveman is a interesting one, and they are probably going to need late inning relief. This team, I think it, it is shaping up that that's going to be a need for them. I mean, it's a need for everybody, but I think they actually are a little bit thinner there than we realized coming into the season. And especially yep. without Justin Topa and Ray Black and those guys, like they're going to have a need there. And so give me Kendall Graveman. I think I said this on Twitter, and this is more than a pipe dream or anything, but the Astros suck this year. So I want Zach Greinke back on the Brewers. <laughs> Fifth starter Zach Greinke would be just a personal joy for me. Uh, Cost way too much money, and I don't think it'll actually happen. But I, I just want uh, one more run with Zach Greinke 10 years after 2011, uh, you know, the year where he said it'd be nice to go to the playoffs, I guess. And, you know, Chris Carpenter's a phony and all that fun stuff. So uh, yeah. I, I want one more uh, postseason run for Zach Greinke. It may as well be with Milwaukee. Not going to happen, but that's that's my single ideal trade target. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My favorite question this week. I saved this one for last. Comes from Alex Seafield on Twitter uh, with the Brewers just playing the Cubs. He asked, if you were given a month in the pitching lab to let them work their magic on you, how likely is it that you could then strike out Javi Baez if you got 20 chances? Paul, I'll go first. <laughs> could you strike out? Yeah, could you there, strike out Javi Baez? There is a 0% chance I could do this. Uh, I do not have a good arm to start with. And even under the the best pitching lab circumstances, you're probably getting me up to like low seventies, and Javi Baez is going to mash the hell out of that. So no, I as much as he strikes out, he, I am not striking him out under any circumstances, no matter how long I spend in a pitching lab. Uh, uh, we, we Newtons are just not built to pitch. Uh, just uh, my never been able to throw hard. I can throw accurately, but not hard at all. And arms are just short and. Don't generate a lot of leverage, so not happening. Teach me a knuckleball, I guess, but you know it usually takes like multiple years uh, to learn a knuckleball, and so not going to happen. Start throwing Devin Williams changeup. Oh, Give yeah. him a month to teach you that, and there you go. My You're arm set. will fall off, and then I won't be able to actually have twenty chances against him. You only need the one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> my pro- my problem is I throw lefty, and Javi uh, crushes lefties. His, his career splits against lefties: two ninety one, three forty one, five thirty three. So there's no chance in hell I'm striking him out <laughs> because you're a lefty. <laughs> yes. It's all the platoon advantage for you. It's the, it's like, the platoon thing. If I like threw righty, maybe talent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got some crafty leftiness in me, but uh, no, Javi, Javi's got the platoon advantage there. I, I would not stand a chance. Ryan, how about you? Did you answer? I forget. <laughs> yeah unless they have dr frankenstein in that lab it's not yeah not me oh come on have a little bit more fun with this guys i mean he swings at anything it, yeah. but i like get it close to the zone he'll he, he'd he'd fall over trying to hit a home run off of you. <laughs> if i can get three ephus pitches like rookie of the year at the end when henry rongartner loses his powers okay fine yeah. Um, yeah. You know, major league hitters are really good at hitting <laughs> and and I am very bad at pitching. Like I have sports I'm good at. It's just pitching is not one of the things I'm good at. <laughs> I can beat him in a tennis match, but who cares? Nobody. <laughs> Javi Baez <laughs> is truly having one of the more remarkably weird seasons it's, you'll ever it's see. It's so weird. And it's delightful for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nah. Did you see uh, earlier in the week where he turned around and bat, batted lefty in the blowout win against the Mets? They had a position player on the mound, so he turned around and hit lefty. Uh, flew out, but of course, Cubs Twitter treated it like it was the greatest thing. Oh, ever seen. yes, of course. Mm. Yeah. Just like his tags. He crushed it, except, uh, you know, he, he flew out to just in front of the warning track. Anyway, yeah, yeah. It, I did appreciate, uh, I think there was a, a subtle dig at Javi Baez you know today. Uh, Bill Schroeder called a, a play by Colton Wong magical, and I was like, huh. Eh, you know what we need to do? little dig if Javi keeps at doing this season is we need to every opportunity we get compare him to Jose Hernandez. Ooh, <laughs> uh, who, who was an all-star for the Brewers. And also did he end up leading the league in strikeouts? I think he mm-hmm. led the league. They took him out before he set the record, right? Yeah. That yeah. Was, but he's yeah. still in the league. Yeah. Um, so uh, th- that's comparable. There's, there's similar players. They can't make contact, but when they do, it flies out a lot. So mm-hmm. also well, a former cub yeah. and that would irritate Cubs fans. So double exactly. plus. Yeah, Jose Hernandez is legitimately underappreciated in in history. People don't realize he was as good as he was. He was actually a really well above average shortstop for quite a while. So, yeah. Right, and even that uh, big strikeout season probably wouldn't rank in, what, like the top 30 all-time now. (laughs) So, there you go. (laughs) He was ahead of his time. Exactly, exactly. That's it. Adam Dunn got at least half a dozen ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just ahead of his time, as Paul said. All right. Uh, That's all the questions we have this week. Uh, Thanks to everybody who sent those in. A reminder, you can become a patron. uh, Get question priority. That's patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. You can also tweet us your questions at MKE tailgate. In the meantime, uh, do not forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find us as well. Uh, We'll wrap things up here. We'll be back next week, hopefully after another good week of first baseball. Uh, In the meantime, stay well, and we'll see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Tailgate.